following is a podcast from Echo, a student ministry at Victory Family Church. We meet every Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. For more info, check us out on Instagram at echo.victory. Good morning, Echo. Woo! Oh, you guys are a lively bunch. I like this. So how many of you guys are pretty awake right now? Okay, this is fun. Okay, I'm going to have fun with you guys today. So as I'm preaching, I want to hear, come on, hallelujah, amen, whatever it is that you want to say, because I love the energy in the room. Can we keep it going? Oh, okay. Well, we'll see how it goes. Anyways, my name is Alyssa Archer. I'm Ben's wife. Um, So if you've never met me, please introduce yourself. Come up to me. Tell me your name. I would love to get to know you. Now, if you're new here, I just want to welcome you. You're already family. You don't have to do anything, nothing like that. As soon as you're here, you are family, and we love you. So next week, we have a treat, our own Zeke Stroop. Where's Zeke? Woo! Zeke will be bringing a message. Yeah. It's going to be awesome, so make sure you come to hear Zeke bring the word. It's going to be amazing, and you don't want to miss it. And then the week after that, we're going to start at the movies, where there will be popcorn, movies, Jesus. That's like all you need in life, right? Those three things. And candy. I like candy. Anyways, let's go ahead, and we're going to pray, and we're going to jump into the message. Father God, I just thank you so much for each person in this room. God, I ask that they hear what you want them to hear today. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this service. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm going to talk to you guys about anxiety. And the reason that I wanted to talk with you guys about this is because I read a startling fact that the Gen Z generation, that's you, you are the most stressed out generation in recent history. And so I wanted to talk to you guys because I want to equip you. But I want to preface my message with the fact that I know that anxiety can be caused by many things. It could be situational. It could be a chemical imbalance. It could be a result of trauma. It could be a dietary thing. It could be all of those mixed together. There's so many things that can cause anxiety. And so today I'm going to hit it from a spiritual aspect. But I know that there's people in here who severely struggle with it. And if that's you, I want you to know it's okay to get help. It's okay to go to the doctors. It's okay to go to a counselor. That's not weak. It's not bad. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. God grace people for those positions and those professions. And so it's okay to get help. But we're going to talk about this from a spiritual aspect. But I also want you to know that I fully believe that no matter what you carry in with you today, whether it's anxiety, depression, whatever condition is going on, no matter what the root cause, I fully believe that God can heal you in his presence in this room today. You guys believe that with me? Oh, let's try that again. Do you guys believe that with me? There we go. Our God is a healing God, and there's nothing that he can't do. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, that's where we're going to turn to. So this book was written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote this book while he was in prison. He was chained to a guard 24-7. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know if he was going to even make it out of that jail cell or if he was going to be put to death. 
He had no idea what his outcome was going to be. But even though he was in a situation that I would consider to be pretty anxiety-provoking, he wrote these words. He said this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So he's saying no matter what, you can be thankful no matter your situation. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Say the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. So there's nothing that we should ever be anxious about. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So don't be anxious, but instead go to God. Tell him what's troubling you. And then he says, that's when the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so I have a funny story about anxiety. When Ben and I were first married, we were getting ready for church. And at the time, we lived in this little apartment. And so I was in the bathroom getting my hair done. And he was getting ready or dressed or something in the bedroom. And so I'm in front of the mirror, and I'm doing my hair, when all of a sudden I hear, Aah! And I thought, why is there another woman in this house? And so I go back to investigate the source of the scream to find that the only other person in the apartment is indeed my husband, Ben. I'm not even exaggerating. And so when I find him in the bedroom, he is up against the wall pointing across the room to a nasty big centipede that was crawling up our wall. And I knew in that moment I had to act fast because if you've ever encountered a centipede, you know that if you don't get them in that very moment, that they will crawl away and you will never find it again. And so this is my bedroom, so I have to protect it because I have to sleep there. So I think fast. I look around and I say, what is around me? And I hurry up. I see a Kleenex box and I grab it and I run across the room and I smash it up against the wall. Victory! Woo! Centipede did not make it. And so in that moment, I found out that I would be the ultimate bug killer in our house, which has been proven true to this day, except for the big nasty spider. Ben did kill that. But I also found out that I'm really freaked out by centipedes. And so for a few nights after that moment, when I would lay in bed, I would think about the centipede. And I'd be like, what if he had a family? And what if they're in this room right now? And what if they want to take revenge and crawl on me? And so I was totally freaked out by the possibility of a centipede being in my room and crawling on me while I was sleeping. And even though that's a silly story about anxiety, I know that there's some of us in here who have very real reasons to be anxious. And Paul told us we don't have to be anxious for anything. But I have to ask myself, is that even a possibility? Can we even live in a world without anxiety? Where we live in a world where there's drugs being passed around all the time, there's mass shootings left and right, people are killing each other, families are divided, the country itself is divided. Can we even live without anxiety? And so I want to show you an Old Testament prophet that you might know. You might be like him. He really loved God. He had seen God be faithful time and time again, but yet he doubted God and he struggled with anxiety. And his name is Elijah. So real quick about Elijah. He was this awesome prophet who had had fire come down from heaven. Pretty cool. But then... 
he confronted this king named King Ahab. And King Ahab didn't like being confronted. So he had his whole army looking for Elijah. And Elijah was so struck with fear that he fled for three whole years. And while he was on the run, God still provided for him. While he was running away from his fears, God still was there in the midst of the anxiety. But then something happens. King Ahab's wife, whose name is Jezebel, she comes into the picture. And King Ahab is evil and all, but Jezebel makes her husband look like Mother Teresa. Like she was wicked, she was evil, and she was after Elijah. And so when he found out that Jezebel was after him, he went into this deep depression. He got super anxious. And so I'm going to tell you his story because he made four mistakes when he came into this struggle, this situation. And these are four mistakes I don't want anybody in here to make. So 1 Kings 19.3 says this, Elijah was afraid, and so he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And maybe you're there right now where you're like, I just can't take it. I can't stand my family. I can't stand working this hard to get grades that I'm not even passing. I'm not even doing good in school, but I have all this homework. I have to keep up with all these activities. I'm trying to have friends, but every other day my friends reject me. I don't even know who likes me and who is for me and who is against me. I just can't take it. And so sometimes when we get in a bad situation, there are things that we can do to make it worse. And so the first thing that Elijah did to make it worse is he ran himself into the ground. He literally ran. He ran so far that geographically he couldn't run anymore or else he would have went into the sea. Like he literally couldn't run any further. And so he kept going, trying to get away from his problems. And sometimes we do that. We're like, okay, i got to fix this. So I'm going to try even harder. I'm going to strive. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Oh, I need to be popular, so I'm going to do this, this, and this. And we exhaust ourselves to the point of being anxious or being even more anxious than when we started. And we get so tired that we just don't function the same. And so I myself, I don't do well on little sleep. Anybody else loves sleep? You need you need sleep? Yes, yes. So this one time, when Ben doesn't get, when Ben's tired, stuff happens while he's sleeping. So I'll just preface with that. But this one time when we first were married, I found out something about Ben. So let me tell you the story. So we were sleeping. My back was turned towards him. And I'm out like a light, like I don't know what's happening, not aware, like I'm totally asleep, when all of a sudden I feel this clench on my back fat, you know, the part right here, I feel this clench, this pinch on my back fat, and I sit up, and I'm thinking, who just bit me? Like somebody just bit me, and I look around my dark room, and I look over at Ben, and he's just sitting up, he doesn't say anything, he's just sitting there, and he just goes back to sleep, and I thought, how creepy is this. Like, we had only been married three months, and I thought, what did I get myself into? And so the next morning, I said, why did you bite me? 
I have a red mark. And he's like, I didn't bite you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did. I'll show you. And so I had this red mark. And he's like, I don't remember. He, when he sleep, when he's really tired in his sleep, he like sleepwalks. He sleep bites apparently. And so weird things happen when we get super tired, when we're exhausted. And so some of you are there right now. You're not sleep biting, I hope, but you're you're just exhausted. You just keep going and you've run yourself ragged. The second big mistake that Elijah made that many of us do is we shut people out. Elijah left his servant and he went alone into the wilderness. And there's two ways that we can shut people out. The first way is that we isolate ourselves physically. Like we don't go around people. And when we do go around people, we don't talk to them like you know, you stay over there. I'm going to be alone over here because I'm anxious and I don't want to talk to you. And I'm going to stay over here because I don't want you to get too close. But then the other thing that we do to shut people out is we can physically be with people. We can hang out with friends all day long, but they don't know what's really going on on the inside. They don't know the struggle. They don't know the pain. And so you keep them at a distance. You don't let them know the real you because you don't want them to see what is really going on on the inside. And so that's why small groups are so important. You can open up in your small group. Talk to your leader. I'm sure there's a couple other students in there that you can feel comfortable with. But life is always better together. The third mistake that Elijah made is he focused on the negative. He said, I've had enough. I'm no better than my fathers. I'm no better than my ancestors. And he wanted to die. So Elijah was suicidal. He didn't want to be alive anymore. And that's the thing that we do. We say, I'll never get better. I'll never be happy. I'll never be pretty enough. I'll never have a good group of friends. I'll never have this. I'll never do that. And the list goes on and on and on. And we just focus on the negative rather than seeing everything that God is doing good in our lives. And then the last mistake that Elijah made, which is the biggest one, is he forgot God and all of that. He was facing this giant problem in front of him, but he forgot to go to God. He forgot that God did all of these miracles. He forgot that God had fire rain down from heaven. He forgot that God used him to raise people from the dead. He forgot that God had provided him meat from ravens. Like, that doesn't happen every day. He forgot that God is faithful. And so we can question, how can Elijah forget that God is faithful? But I think so many of us do that same thing. God's proven himself time and time again. But yet when we face this other problem, we say, we forget about God. We don't go to him. We think, you can't do this. I, don't, I can't trust you. You're not going to help me. But when we look at Elijah's story, God was present in every moment. God was there for him. God was faithful in every step of the way. And so Elijah, eventually, he falls apart. He loses the show. He's crying. He, he's suicidal. He goes to sleep because he just can't face life anymore. And so God sends angels to wake him up and to remind him to eat and drink so he can continue on. And then they wake him up again because he goes back to sleep. And they tell him, go, because God wants to show you how real he is. God didn't reject him. God didn't turn away from him. God was there the entire time. He met him in his need, and he revealed himself to him. And so God has the angel take Elijah to this mountain, 
And God says to him, he says this to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks below. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. And so the earth shook, but God wasn't in that. The wind howled, but God wasn't in that. The fire raved, but God wasn't there either. Instead, he was in the whisper. He was in the quiet. He was in that still, small voice. And so many times we want God to speak to us in the loud, in the obvious. But instead, he's in the whisper. And so I'm going to bring my husband up. Can you guys give it up for Ben as he comes up here? And I want to do a sermon illustration. So we're going to pretend that Ben is somebody who's stressed out and anxious. So look, look stressed. Or scared. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> so ben, ben is stressed, and we're going to pretend that I'm God. And so sometimes we ask God, God, I'm going through this struggle. Where are you? I can't hear you. Why are you so quiet? And the reason why God is so quiet is because he's right here. And he doesn't need to shout. But he can whisper to you the whole time. Because he's so close. And so we can't always hear God. Because maybe you're not close enough. But on the other hand, we have the devil over here shouting accusations saying, You're not good enough. Nobody will ever like you. You will never succeed. And you have this loud voice in your head all the time shouting all these accusations at you, trying to cover up God's voice. But the whole time what you need to do is God is right here whispering. And you need to step in. You need to come in to God because he's whispering. And he's saying, I love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm with you until the end of the ages. There is nothing that can separate you. For my love, no height nor depth, nothing. I love you. And so he's here the whole time with a whisper. He's not shouting because he doesn't need to, because he's so close. Here we go. Switch mics on you. Oh, thank you, Ben. And so God, he's not loud because he doesn't need to be. He's ever present. He's right there. But all we need to do is we need to step into that presence. We need to step into him. We need to lean into him. We need to go to him. He's there the whole time whispering. But we need to have our ears on and be listening to what he is saying. And so I'm going to go back to that verse. But before I do, I want to remind you. We're going to have a moment. We're going to go into God's presence. That no matter what you're facing, no matter what you feel like you lack or don't have, no matter what obstacle is in your life, I want to remind you that your situation plus God's presence is enough for a miracle. Your situation plus God's presence is enough for healing. It's enough for freedom. It's enough for restoration. His presence is enough for anything you face. And so when we go back to Philippians 4, it says, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. But right before that, he said, the Lord is near. 
I think he said that because he knew how close God was to him, even in that jail cell. He knew that God was there, so he wasn't anxious. And he knew that he could rely on God. And so because God was in control, and he knew God was in control, he wasn't anxious. But he says, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, go with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. So go to God. Step into his presence. Tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what's on your mind. Tell him what you're struggling with. Bring that anxiety, that stress to him. Come to him in his presence because when you bring it to him in his presence, a miracle happens. Healing happens. Restoration happens. And so we're going to go back into worship. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand up and come back up to the front. And if our guys, my guys could come get the podium. Thank you. I'm going to come up here again. And so we're going to go back into God's, we're going to go into God's presence. And I don't want you guys to be distracted by your friends. I just want you guys to focus. And I want you to remember that God is so close to you. He's there. He's whispering in your ear. And the thing with God is he knows things that I can't ever tell you. He can reveal things to you. He can answer questions to you. And so I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes. This is a moment where it's you and God. You're in his presence. Whatever it is, think of something, whatever it is that's on your mind that you've been struggling with, that you've been stressed out about. This is your moment to give it over to him. His presence is already here. All you need to do is open your mouth and tell him what is bothering you. All you need to do is let him know he is there and he's right beside you. And he will whisper. He will tell you, and he will bring you peace. Just keep your eyes closed. I'm going to ask you guys, go ahead, just raise your hands. You're surrendering. Go ahead, raise your hands, guys. This is just an act of surrender. We're surrendering our problems. We're surrendering our stress. We're surrendering the anxiety. Just listen in to what the worship team is doing. Close your eyes. Keep your hands up, and let's just go back into worship, and let's just surrender it all to God.